0: Welcome to the BamCam with Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we explore how life and financial well-being are intertwined, We'll look into areas concerning motivation and attitude, financial planning, investing, and much more. Our goal is to empower you with the information and resources you need to help manage your money and strive towards the life you've always wanted. So sit back, relax, and join us on this journey of uncovering your true self and achieving financial independence. Hello and welcome to the Bamcam Podcast with your hosts Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi guys, how are we today?
1: We're very good. Good. Very how are good. you, Wendy?
0: Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm better than Allison. She came running in at the last minute. <laughs> She's all composed. She's a pro, ready to go.
2: That's that's mom life for you, right there. Good,
1: <laughs> good. So, Wendy, you remember on our last episode we talked about resolutions that people might want to make that were financial in nature. And um, we decided to follow up on that uh, because I did a little research and there's recently a study from Forbes that came out just in the last few days. The study was actually conducted a couple of months ago and it was about what people are looking to do on their new year's resolutions for 2024. And it's kind of interestingly... Uh, Finances, improving finances was not number one. Okay. Uh, It was number two at 38%, but improving fitness was number one at 48%. Improving mental health was number three at 36%. Losing weight, number four at 34%, and improving diet, number five at 32%.
0: Wow. What's I thought losing weight was always number one.
1: Well, I, I would, have, I would thought have thought maybe, that maybe that because America is generally fat oh. and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and so I, I have a little bit of a fat phobia, not much, but it's, it's uh, anyway, but nevertheless, that, that was what the data showed. And it, you know, and to a certain extent, they're all interrelated, you know, I think mm-hmm. mental health and and happiness and satisfaction comes from maybe being not only financially fit but But physically physically fit yes and so i think that the i think it all they all intertwine a little bit and of course improving fitness losing weight improving diet tend to kind of go all together but having you know looking at all of it in a balanced life is is probably optimal one thing that was interesting to me is that younger people are more interested in doing resolutions than than older. Over, almost 60% of people 18 to 34 intend to make resolutions, while less than one in five over 55 years of age want to. And so, most of those over 55 need to lose weight. So, so
2: why do you think that isn't? You're in the over 55 category and I'm in the younger category.
1: I don't I don't know I. do you think I,
2: there's more satisfaction with where people are in life at that point?
1: That may be, um, that may be it. I th- in fact, it probably is. I think there probably is more satisfaction. But also I found this interesting among younger people is that those with children, parents, fifty four percent of them intend to make resolutions while only thirty three percent of those without children. So those that are in family, Situations tend to be looking at improvement in their life of some sort, there. So, I find that very interesting. So, on our previous episode, we talked about financial resolutions, uh, which was number two, 38%. And so, today I thought we would focus on physical wellness, uh, overall health. And we have a very special guest who is a friend of of ours, uh, Dr. Brittany. Cobia, she is from Vulcan Wellness and Aesthetics here in the Birmingham area, specifically Vestavia Hills, and uh, who happens to also, uh, we happen to both be clients and patients of Brittany, and we have used her services for about the last year, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But Brittany, welcome! Thank and you. Tell You're us, welcome. tell us just briefly a little bit about yourself and your background.
3: Well, thank y'all so much for having me. This is my first podcast, but you could not have gotten me on here to talk about anything that I'm more passionate about. Um, So I was born here in Birmingham, specifically in Hoover, Um, went to Spain Park High School, one of the first graduating classes back in the day, went to Alabama for undergrad, South Alabama for medical school, Roll roll tide. Um, That's a very controversial topic right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Moved back up here to Birmingham to be closer to family for residency. And then I, I started my first big girl job at Grandview as a hospitalist. Um, the obesity medicine side of things was almost kind of an accident that I got interested. Um, We had our first baby in 2018. And afterwards, like so many women, I struggled with getting the baby weight off and just not feeling like myself. Mm -hmm. Nothing was the same. And I ended up in a Facebook group with about 10,000 female physicians that were struggling with their weight. We were all kind of in the same boat. And in that timeframe, I was introduced to the entire field of obesity medicine. And, you know, as an internal medicine physician, we were trained in some aspects of obesity and residency and in medical school. But, you know, there's obviously so many different fields of medicine, you know, specific designations for heart, for kidneys, Mm -hmm. for cancer. And, you know, obesity medicine is, has grown to be so much more complicated than we were ever trained and that we really ever knew. Um, And so that field drew me in and learning all of the very complex signaling molecules and biochemistry that's involved in the physiology of obesity led me to get board certified in 2020. Then I had another two babies. (laughs) And then in early 2023, we opened Vulcan wellness and aesthetics uh, with a couple of my partners that were also at Grandview that also were drawn to the field of obesity medicine in their own ways.
1: And shortly after you opened, I walked in the door. You did. And and met you and just to give everyone a little bit of a background. (laughs) over the last several years particularly coming out of the pandemic my weight had had increased not to my overall height and weight because i about 15 years ago i i came when i became more physically fit i i was at the highest weight i ever was and i lost a lot of weight and got more involved into general fitness and 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 running and and working out and lost a lot of weight but it, but the it was the highest it had been in probably ten or twelve years, and I was not happy with the way I looked, uh, and I I do have a a vanity streak uh, in me, and um, so I was I wanted to do something about my weight, and there's been a lot of talk in in the press, and I I read this because as a as a financial advisor, there are these new drugs called GLP-1 drugs uh, and that stands for gluca- glucagon like yep. peptide one and essentially they're diabetes drugs they're used in, in for diabetics in 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 helping to maintain a healthy state or for diabetics uh and the the convenience of it is it's a once a week for the most most of them are a once a week injection instead of daily injections and it, as far as i understand but they discovered that all these people were losing weight. And so it, one of them initially got an indication in rebranding for, for weight loss. Uh, but I've been reading about Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk. Those are the two companies that have the, the two most significant injectables here. Brittany, tell us a little bit about how these drugs work, because that's was my general question when I first came to you.
3: Well, most patients, when they come to me, they've heard all of the <clears throat> the GLP-1 in the media. And this is a really complicated time to be, to, you know, to, to watch the news and try to figure out what is true and what is not true. I think it, it, it's also a very confusing time for obesity medicine in general. You have the whole body positivity movement, but then we still have people that fat shame. And then we also have celebrities that have lost weight that are then shamed for losing weight because they're supposed to be body positive and not lose weight and remain Mm -hmm. overweight or obese or, you know, whatever category they're in. So, so many patients come to me and they, they're asking about these new GLP-1 drugs. Most of them have been on some sort of appetite suppressant in the past, which is usually a stimulant. And those do work for some patients, but again, the physiology of obesity is so very complicated that the best thing about the GLP-1 drugs is that they target so many ways that people can lose and gain weight. The The main thing that they do, and the and one of the huge ways that people gain weight as they age is they become insulin resistant. So essentially as you eat a large meal, your pancreas then spits out a big glob of insulin that your your tissues are supposed to use that insulin, take all that good blood sugar that you just gave it and convert it to energy for your organs to use. As we age, we become more insulin resistant. So our body doesn't use insulin the way that it should and the way that it used to. So,
1: is that why I have to take a nap after a big meal?
3: (laughs) That actually is a yes.
1: (laughs) Since I'm older in that demographic.
3: Your body is not using insulin the right way. (laughs) So essentially the, the drugs help your body use insulin the way that it used to and the way that it's supposed to by converting all that energy that you gave it, all that glucose and blood sugar into energy instead of storing it as fat. I hear so many patients that come in and they say, I have done the same exercise routine for the last 20 years. I have eaten the same foods for the last 20 years. I have a healthy lifestyle. I I eat low carb, I exercise and all of a sudden, the, the scale is not reflecting what it has in the past. And so much of that is because, again, as we age, we get some of that insulin resistance and our, we're storing more of the blood sugar and more of the glucose that we're giving our body as fat instead of converting it to energy.
1: Well, that, that, that kind of was a picture of me. Yeah, sure. that, that
2: sounds like me too. You know, yeah. since college, really, I've been pretty active. I like working out. I don't think I eat terribly bad. Of course, I have One big vice is peanut butter m ms (laughs) but you know, there are worse vices to have out there. Sure. That's a great vice. (laughs) (laughs) They're really good in the freezer, by the way. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, that was that, what you just described, Brittany, is me exactly. I was in the gym working out, eating mostly pretty good, and the scale just was not budget.
1: One thing also, Allison, is that you have had your not only have you had the emotional and financial roller coaster of your IVF journey that we've talked about on previous episodes of the podcast, but what that did to your body with all the hormones and medicines you had to take for for IVF, you literally we I remember when you first went on the hormones for your first embryo transfer, you gained something like 40 pounds in a month. Yeah, and it's almost like I, I would see you not every day, but maybe every third day or fourth day, and it was, and I was like five I
2: pounds heavier. I would and...
1: do a double take, and 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 it was really, it was. I know it was hard on you, uh, but you and so technically, with your pregnancy with Laura, you I only gained lot, you,
2: ten pounds.
1: But for the up until like the seventh month, you actually lost, lost weight. weight, and wow. so uh, because of of you were sloughing some of those excess pounds, even though you were gaining pregnancy weight to offset that. So, um, so you h- had experienced another reason why you had had gained weight. Mm-hmm. And Brittany, it's not unlike some of the, you know, women who have children. It's kind of like they gain that weight and then they keep some of it. Absolutely. Right? Kind of indefinitely after after that and, and don't return back to the their original. Weight right. uh, from that perspective. So, so let's talk a little bit about some of these GLP-1 drugs. Tell us a little bit about about the ones you tend to use.
3: Sure, of course. So, like you mentioned, Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly are the big manufacturers of these drugs. The first one that came out probably 15 or 20 years ago was liraglutide or Victoza or Saxenda, are the brand names that you probably would recognize. This was the one that was a daily injection and it was actually kind of an accident that we realized, hey, patients are losing weight on these drugs because like you said, they were initially um, developed and prescribed for diabetes and we started seeing, hey, these diabetics are losing weight and they're having really good control of their blood sugars. So Novo Nordisk took that took those drugs, the the liraglutide, and then kind of reformulated them, remade them into semaglutide, which is ozempic or Wegovi. A lot of people don't actually realize that they are essentially the exact same drug. Semaglutide is the, the generic name. And then ozempic technically is branded for diabetes. Wegovi is branded for obesity or for weight loss. Now we have Eli Lilly that has manufactured terzepatide or Monjaro. Um, This one, same exact thing. It was initially developed for diabetes and then we have been waiting for the past year or so knowing that it was going to get FDA approval for weight loss because it has greater success than anything that has come before it. Semaglutide's got Really, really, really great data and people do lose a lot of weight on it. And then the tirzepatide is just a little bit better. It targets one additional hormone in addition to the GLP-1 that we were talking about, and it's called the GIP hormone. It's just another digestive hormone that gives you a little bit better improvement in your insulin sensitivity and and works on all those signaling molecules that go into weight loss and weight gain. FDA did just approve Terzepatide or Manjaro for weight loss, which we're super excited about. It's going to be called ZepBound, and it should be hitting shelves, honestly, any day now.
1: Okay, and there's also a lot of research in uh, R&D and and ongoing drug development in this arena. Other drug companies are trying to get in there. Probably going to be some oral forms Yes, people that don't like injections and that are going to be coming down the pike and the data looks somewhat promising from what I understand.
3: Yes. And you know, the idea is to be able to deliver these to patients in a cost-effective manner. That's our Mm -hmm. focus at the clinic is trying to get anything that we can covered by insurance. And, you know, offering different options for patients that are not able to get it covered through their insurance. But I do think oral forms are coming down the pipeline. Some sublingual forms are coming. There's also another kind of a triple threat that's going to come in the next year or two that works on that GLP-1 receptor, GIP, and a glucagon receptor. So we'll see uh, what that looks like in the coming years.
1: So there's going to, there's a lot of activity here and a lot Mm -hmm. of potential for, for those that might be seeking help in this arena. So generally what kind of side effects you know when with with any drug that's administered the desired result is actually a side effect of injecting that chemical of of some sort and so it is but what are the common side effects that you see or get reported to you from use of these drugs
3: so kind of like you said the the side effects are what we want the drug to do in the first place. So of course the drugs improve your insulin sensitivity, but they also slow your digestion a little bit. And that reduces your appetite in a way without that stimulant effect of of other drugs that have come before this. So anytime you slow your digestion, basically you're just going to eat probably a small meal snack or something like that it sits in your stomach for a little bit longer which makes you feel fuller for longer but anytime you have food sitting in the stomach for longer than you're used to that can lead to a little bit of nausea maybe some vomiting if you're unlucky constipation are big side effects that i hear the most of typically as your body adjusts to the medicine these all resolve and they all get better for the most part i'm able to treat patients for nausea and constipation with just over-the-counter medicines There's super, super, super low side effects, but the people do always ask me about like the hot button issue of, are, am I going to get thyroid cancer or am I going to get pancreatitis or am I going to get gallstones? We haven't seen any of those things actually happen in our clinic and they're exceptionally rare, but there is of course a warning on, on the drug labels like there is for pretty much every medicine.
1: If (laughs) if you ever read a drug label,
3: (laughs) you might not ever take another, probably never take it again. again.
1: And, and, you know, to this, to that extent. You know, probably aspirin wouldn't get approved by the FDA today, absolutely, for, for bleeding purposes. Yeah. So, it's it's um it, you know they can scare the crap out of you. But I've had great results with this um, over the last ten or eleven months. I've lost about thirty five pounds, and my was I was not technically obese. When I started, I was what I would call pleasantly plump. (laughs) Um, and, and I just didn't like the, the way I, I, you know, I looked and, and, and it was just heavier than I wanted to be. And so, and Allison, your results have been even more dramatic, uh, because you had some of this, what I would call somewhat artificial weight from your IVF journey. What was your total weight loss?
2: I've lost 60 pounds. Wow. So, and I'm, I'm also no longer taking Wegovy. Right. Um, you've
1: been on just maintaining just your weight at just this level. Yeah. And you're, of course, pursuing another round of, of IVF exactly. treatment at this point. So mm-hmm. you've started taking some more hormones and, and things of that nature. So the results are, are quite impressive and, and dramatic. And most people do get similar types of results. Not everyone, obviously, but, uh, but they are, are very good. One of the things, if you read the press, I always talk about how expensive these drugs are, and they are expensive. And and with more competition into the marketplace, hopefully the pricing is going to come down. Allison, oh. yours was covered by insurance. Mine was Te- covered so, by
2: insurance, so I was paying about twenty dollars a month for my four shots, which is
1: which is, which is amazing. Just week. your coat yeah.
2: for a unicorn. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I got lucky i was shocked that my insurance covered it there's a lot that insurance doesn't cover and you know i'm coming from the fertility world where nothing is covered so i was pleasantly surprised
1: yeah but that and that's very good and so typically what are the criteria for insurance to cover Brittany?
3: well that's a great question because actually the fda and insurance companies disagree on bmi of cutoffs yeah of course they do um technically the overweight category of of bmi is 25 to 30 and then obese is 30 or greater But insurance companies have decided, hey, 25 is still too thin for us. We are not going to cover these drugs unless you were 27 or above. And between 27 and 30, you have to have some other comorbidity, some other medical problem, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol to to qualify. But if you're 30 and over, you don't have to have any additional medical problems.
1: Okay. All right. So So
3: I hit all of that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah. And I actually, I actually, my initial, BMI fell in the, between the 25 and 30, but I have no comorbidities. Comor- so it was, I had to pay for mine. And if you go through a pharmacy, regular pharmacy, uh, paying for the brand name Wegovy or, or the new equivalent to Mongero, the cost can be over a thousand dollars a month at like several, like $1,300, $1,400 a month is what I was quoted. Mm -hmm. You have developed, or not developed, but y'all have another source of being able to access a compounded version, which is far more cost-effective. So tell us a little bit about about general cost when we're using a compounded version.
3: Sure. So essentially... Compounding pharmacies create the drug on their own and then they add an additional vitamin to it. Maybe it's a B6 or a B12 or an L-carnitine or something that is essentially harmless, but that they can add to the base ingredient of the drug and call it a different medicine, a different a different drug to kind of get around those patent laws that, that that big pharma has on these medications. You have to be very, very selective with compounding pharmacies. They are not all created equal. The compounding pharmacies that we use, we have visited, we have spoken with their lead pharmacist, with their counsel, observed their sterile environments, and, and they have been very They've been vetted by us. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do have to be careful with compounding pharmacies because this is a really hot thing right now. Maybe people are making a lot of money on these medications and there are a lot of little pop-up pharmacies that are like, hey, we've got this semaglutide. And I say that in air quotes because maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But the great thing about the compounding pharmacies is that they're able to offer these literally life-saving medications for lower prices than, than the retail pharmacies. And, you know, the retail pharmacies they buy from, from Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly, but then they have to make their profit too. So then they have to mark the drug up even higher to sell it from their pharmacies. Mm -hmm. If you're going to, Pay by cash, so it's. I mean, it's all a money game. It's all a numbers game. But the compounding pharmacies have been life changing for us and for our patients that can't afford fourteen hundred dollars a month, but that are going to literally die from their obesity.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. obesity is arguably the leading killer of, of of people. It is the one. It's not what's marked on death certificates as the cause of death, but it taxes all of your organs particularly the visceral fat levels around your organs Absolutely. and that sort of thing stresses all of your organs and it reduces um you know it, it just strains your whole body um and and so having a what we call a normal weight is a much healthier way i'm i measure at, at one of the fitness facilities that i go to i do in body testing and one of the things that I've been measuring, is it measures my visceral fat levels. And my visceral fat levels have been reduced dramatically through this. And it's probably what I'm most excited about. Now, none of us know what day we're going to die. And, and I believe God has a day that is my day. And I don't know what it is, but I do believe that I can help him along the way. And, and part of my respect for God is to respect my own body. And to to give him the most to work with. Yeah. So, plus it helps you to feel better and be happier and to enjoy whatever those number of days we have on on Earth. And
2: mm-hmm. and you've got a little and, one well, year old to try to keep up with, right. which is Ooh. quite difficult. Who I just to had breakfast
1: with this morning, and she's <laughs> and she's so wonderful and he's,
2: But and, but she's active and she's running, and you got to be able to keep up with her. So is, getting some of that weight off was helpful with that too.
1: That is so true. So now one of the things, and I'm close to a level that I want to maintain my weight. Um, So what are some of the strategies? You know, we, we talked about Allison has discontinued hers because she was going through another IVF cycle, but what are some of the strategies that you use with your patients to maintain weight at that point?
3: So the drugs are a great way to start, but there are plenty of patients that either don't want to or can't afford to be on the drugs long term. One thing that we have changed a lot in our in the way that we talk about obesity is that we talk about it now as a chronic disease and not just... A descriptor of somebody. So, you know, if you have high blood pressure or if you have diabetes, if you, we start you on medicines to help those things. And then if you come off the medicines because your blood pressure looks great, well, it's going to, it's going to go back up up because it was the medicine that was keeping it down. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that takes these medicines are going to need them forever, but there are a subset of patients, and they're usually the people that come into my office and they say, look, I have been the big kid since I was five years old. There is clearly a genetic component. There are definitely some genetic abnormalities that have predisposed this person to being overweight. Those people are going to need the drugs long term. Not everybody is like that. A lot of people, once we get closer to that goal weight, we have them meet with our registered dietitian. We develop a diet plan. We start talking about, hey, how how are your exercise routines? And I don't do all this upfront because in general, if you throw too many changes at a person at one time, right. it, it's it doesn't feel sustainable and it isn't sustainable. Um, so we we take kind of small bites of it along the way and and as we're getting feeling better, losing some weight, getting some maybe confidence back, and and feeling more like yourself, then we start tackling diet and exercise, and we talk about what the medication looks like long term, whether it's a super low dose every month or maybe we come off of it altogether. Okay, good. And I will say, confidence, I feel like, is a key factor to
2: being successful in the gym. Yes. Um, you know, like Absolutely. getting some weight off, it, it just feels better walking into a gym. Yeah, with even just five pounds
1: well, off. One, one of the things is that's significant for me, and it's just a, a measurable benefit from this, I've been at Iron Tribe for 12 years. For the first 11 years, I did my pull-ups with a band to be a, a weight assistance with with pull-ups, With and I no longer use a band for pull-ups. So here I am, sixty-seven years old, and I can do pull-ups without a band. Now I can't do as many as maybe some of the really twenty-eight and thirty-year-olds and that sort of thing. But it's not unusual for me to have a workout where, in aggregate, I will—I might have twenty-five or thirty pull-ups in that workout—and uh, without a band. And and I'm pretty proud of that. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, the fact that I'm thirty-five pounds. Less than I was when I started this journey with you, Brittany. So mm-hmm. thank you. You
3: used you <laughs> you to you uh, do pull-ups. You know, it, I actually love the way that you say that because you're talking about how it makes you feel. You know, so many people come in the office and they're embarrassed to be there because they think they're vain. But this is not a vanity issue. It's a quality of life
1: issue. Well, and frankly, I'm a 67-year-old badass. So <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> or at least I feel a little bit like that. <laughs> and um and at at the gym they treat me like a rock star anyway, so which is which is lovely.
2: I think so, you are a rock star. <laughs> so I will just
3: you I cannot do into off, that. Story. So I think you're a rock star so too. It,
1: it's it's but it 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 is a lot of fun and from that standpoint. So I'm I'm happy about that. So you know, one of the things that we hope you will do is consider uh, not only the financial resolutions we talked about on some of the uh, the previous episode of the Bamcam podcast, but maybe look at at ways you can improve your own physical fitness and your own physical health, and which ties into your emotional satisfaction and well-being. Uh, because at the end of the day, having peace in your life is a huge, huge benefit, and 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 just to overall making you happy. It will make you a a better spouse to your, to your husband or wife. Uh, it will make you a better father or mother. Uh, it will make you a better uh, child of your aging parents, everything. It will better make you friend. a better coworker. It'll make you a better friend. If you are happy and satisfied, uh, and have peace in your life. So that's my wish and, and hope for you. So, um, Two questions for you, Brittany, kind of final question. One is, obviously for those that are in the Birmingham, greater Birmingham area where we're located, can reach out to your clinic and we'll talk about how to do that here in just a second. Uh, But do you do telehealth visits and can this be done and achieved through telehealth if you're not local to the Birmingham area?
3: Typically, we like to see you in person at least one time. I got to put a face with the name. I got I got to see you. Um, But after that, yes, we can do telehealth depending on what medications we choose that are right for you. And then we're working on, you know, expanding our practice to Perhaps neighboring states because we do have a lot of patients that are say, hey, I've got this best friend over in Georgia that would really benefit from some sure. of these yeah. um, services. So that's so a we'll network
1: out. perhaps of clinics yes. that that can be done. It may be in the works. Here. Yes, this is still very kind of early on in this industry. It of, is of wellness from this perspective, and it's surplant. You know, our, our it's replacing the traditional diet motivated clinics. Yes. From what I understand. And even those are, are looking to modify to go this direction.
3: They are. <laughs> like and Jenny
1: Craig's of the world. and
3: Absolutely. It's all, it's all important. It's an all encompassing field of medicine that requires a multidisciplinary clinic and multiple modes of attack.
1: Right. So to reach Vulcan wellness, how do we, how do we do that? How do they get in touch with you? at at Vulcan Wellness.
3: So you can make an appointment online at www.vulcanwell.com or you can call us and talk to our wonderful receptionist, Raven. She is wonderful. (laughs) She really is. She is our life's blood. Uh, 205-438-6009. Right now we have six physicians that are either uh, board certified or board eligible in obesity medicine. And I mean, I'm kind of biased, but they're all fantastic.
1: They, they are and I've I've seen several of these physicians and Allison you're actually your actual primary physician at Vulcan was not Brittany was That's Another correct. Partner.
2: um Dr Carson Rowe, um, is who I was seeing yeah. and he's great too
1: right right they're all they're all yeah. all fabulous Vulcan also does other things besides weight loss and so you may want to check out their website because it really is a a, a thriving business that I've been happy to be a client of and and happy to see them successful. So I'm very happy about that. And obviously, we also want you to consider still uh, working with us for financial planning and guidance there. And you can reach out to us at iterfinancialwellness.com. That's I-T-E-R. Remember that Eater is the Latin word for journey or pathway. And uh, my cell phone number is 205- 613-4994. 613-4994. I can be reached at Jack at eaterfw.com.
2: And you can reach me at Allison at eaterfw That's Allison with one L. And my cell phone is 205-504-9868. All
0: right. Very good stuff. Thank you. Uh, Brittany, thank you for joining us today. And thank you as always to you guys. And thank you for listening. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the BamCam podcast with Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano from RFG Advisory. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at rfgadvisorywealth.com jackburnett, or give us a call at 205-510-9072. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available.
4: Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guest nor our FG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest, They do not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory LLC. RFG Advisory or RFG. A registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.